We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest and then the final event the behind the bangs writing workshop i finally did it put it together put together this workshop because i wrote this book in many ways for younger me and younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught i wanted the gyms i wanted i wanted the knowledge i wanted the education that's what i would have wanted so i've decided i'm doing it and in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn 15 years in my 15 year career as a tv writer and author and blah 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 all the other things i've written there are six things that i always use and all of those are in this workshop so if you have an interest in writing sign up all the ticket links are live today click the show notes click my instagram we are coming to a city near you and there's going to be some meet and greets i'll sign some copies of books we'll give out more books and i have uh, some pieces of merch that i'm taking on the road and i'm gonna give them out at the shows Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes, and this is a bonus episode. We're going to play an interview for you that took place about three months ago over Zoom. I had the chance to interview a celebrity ghostwriter. And you guys, it was such a phenomenal conversation. I'm so excited we can finally share it. And a huge shout out to Barbie Adler, my old coworker. We sold a show together, we wrote a show together. She very kindly introduced me to her friend, this celebrity ghostwriter, when I launched this podcast. And I'm just so grateful because I adore her. So let's hear from Hillary Lifton right now. Thank you so much for joining us on Celebrity Book Club. You guys, this is a very, very exciting guest. And Hillary, I'm just going to read your bio that I stole from your website. Um, okay. okay. Hillary Lifton is a ghostwriter collaborator specializing in celebrity memoir. Um, so you're the perfect guest for our podcast. Since 2006, Hillary has worked on 15 books, 10 of which hit the New York Times bestseller list. Storytelling by Tori Spelling was a number one New York Times nonfiction bestseller. Wow, that is such a fun title to say. (laughs) Storytelling by Tori Spelling. It stayed on the list for 19 weeks and won the 2009 Bravo A-List Award for Best Celebrity Autobiography. Miles to Go by Miley Cyrus was a number one New York Times children's bestseller. Other best-selling titles include High on Arrival by Mackenzie Phillips and It's All Too Much by Peter Walsh. Um, we are reading High on Arrival in uh, in one more week. I'm going to start reading it. 
I'm so excited. I'm so excited. That's awesome. Well, that's not even your whole bio. Um, well, I'm sorry. My bio is too long. I, I should have given you an edited. Wait, yeah, uh, that's the writer in you. You're already <laughs> editing your own bio. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to tell you how incredible it is for me to be on this podcast and to, for this podcast to exist. Oh. I feel like it exists. I mean, well, first of all, this, and there are a couple, I just enjoy it and it's funny and it's fun, but also work-wise for me there, you may not have noticed this, but celebrity memoirs don't get reviewed. They don't get reviewed. They get featured. Oh, so, I did not really put that together. So if I want to know what people think about it, I have to look at the bestseller list and read the Amazon reviews, which I never do. Yeah. That's a so tough, that's a tough is, read to go down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. So it's great feedback, but also just as a writer to hear what you think about these memoirs and to, you know, sort of get that deep, you know, uh, read of them is something that's incredible. And it frees me from actually having to read them myself <laughs> to kind of yeah. think about what other people are doing and think about how I would have done it. And I mean, all of that kind of process, you're doing the work for me. So thank Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> thank you for doing the work for me and writing them, which is, <laughs> takes a lot more work. Um, yeah, I... I love celebrity memoirs. I've loved them since I was a kid. My joke is that it's what happens when your nearest bookstore is a Walmart. Um, but I just genuinely love them. But it's a genre that doesn't get a lot of literary praise and isn't really treated with esteem. It's sort of been looked at as like these like trashy fluff books, which I just feel like is the biggest marketing lie of all time because they're the most incredible stories I personally have ever read. What is your take on this genre? Because you kind of just got into it. It gets featured because they're a celebrity, but no one really puts the work in as like, this is also a book. <laughs> it's a real ass book. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Um, and you guys read Carly Simon, and my guess is that was probably reviewed. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I mean, I think the reason for the reputation is that, you know, a lot of times these books are published on a fast deadline and, you know, we write them quickly and they're not written to last forever. They're written for people to buy them and read them and you're done. Oh, interesting. The first book that doesn't last forever. <laughs> All other <laughs> but, books are forever. <laughs> but I, I and my fellow ghostwriters, I don't think we think of it that way. I think everyone that I know who's a ghostwriter and I am a serious writer, you know, I think that um, partly it's just a maligned, you know, format and I, and a maligned genre. And I think you're right to set the record straight. But also, I think, you know, one of the things, one of my jobs is to capture the voice of the person I'm writing for. And so, you know, when it comes to writing a memoir that's high art, if I did that for the wrong person, nobody would want that. Yeah. You know, you don't want you. It's I mean, so one thing that I want your listeners to know is that a ghostwritten or collaborated memoir is not a fake in any way. That was, yeah, it's, great. I mean, the thing is that, and I think they have that reputation. We were like, oh, well, that was ghostwritten. So it's not really hers. And that's not true at all. I mean, it's so, such an effort at authenticity. And my job is to say to this person who's not a writer, you know, let's capture your voice and tell your story the way you want it told. You know, if you think that actor X can just sit down and write a book in six months. It's not going to happen. So I'm there to make it happen. And I'm there to capture their voice. So, you know, if it's somebody who 
thinks at a certain level and speaks at a certain level, then I echo that. Yeah. That's my goal. And that's, I think that's all ghostwriters probably feel the same way. You know, I'm not going to put, I don't really put words in anyone's mouth um, that I don't feel like I've heard. That's so cool. Okay. I have so many questions off of what you just said. (laughs) Okay. So first off, you said you often write them fast. What is a normal timeline for the book to be written? And what's the fastest you've ever had to write a whole damn ass book? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think I've written a book, definitely more than one book in three months for sure. And, and I don't, that's not me staying up late at night. That's not that if the person is very chatty and has a story to tell that's not that hard. Um, and I'll get to why it's not that yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but so I feel like often I'm given, you know, four months and that's a rush and it's difficult. If I'm given six months, I'm excited. Wow. And if I'm given longer, which, you know, might be a book that isn't a celebrity, I might be given longer time to work on it. That feels luxurious and I love it, but I would never take longer than a year. That said, sometimes revisions will take it, you know, draw things out. And if I'm writing a crash book and I spend four months on it, that doesn't mean it's gone. It's in the can. I never get to see it again. I mean, somebody's editing it and we're revisiting right. it. And so, you know, we need to get it on paper so that the publisher can do the things that a publisher needs to do and they need a jacket and they need to send it to foreign, you know, foreign publishers and stuff like that, but we can still make it better and, and keep, keep working until the bitter. Okay. Yeah. That is, that's, that is really fast though. I mean, to compare, like how long did your novel, now I'm putting you on like, how fast do you write? But what would you say a particular timeline for a fictional novel is? I mean, that could, could be up to 10 years if you wanted, right? I mean, yeah, people take up to 10 years. You know, I, if you look at a novelist who publishes every year, I mean, your guess is good as mine, but I would say three years. Yeah. Um, I wrote mine faster because I was like, okay, I'm doing this instead of ghostwriting and I don't want to give myself too much time because I want to get back to my job, yeah, my day job. Yeah, need that so money. I think it took, yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel like I took about nine months to do mine yeah. and, also, yeah. and, it, and it was much harder. It's harder because I had to pull it from thin air instead of writing it from somebody's existing story. Right, right. Where you're coming from zero versus coming from a full human. And I also, people do tend to look at things that are created fast as somehow, somehow that's not good. I was, tra- I was also trained to write very, very fast. Um, and I'm also an improviser. I was trained in that, which is like, make it up, make it up, go again, go again, go again. And so right. I personally also work very fast. And so because I'm biased, I also think there should be an esteem given to that as well. Like something is not better <laughs> just because yeah. it took longer. Like it's better because it's better, but not because of the like time that goes into it. Well, also, I mean, think about it. I sit down with somebody and they lived their life up to now. So the story already exists. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm really not creating it. I'm um, channeling it and structuring it and getting it on the page. Right. And so, and that's one of the things that I love about it. You know, I don't have to do much research. I don't have to have that many ideas. The ideas that I have are in terms of structure and, you know, storytelling, but not in terms of, you know, what should happen next. Right. Um, right. So, so, and in that way, the memoir is like a very forgiving form, right? Because you're reading a memoir and you're like, well, this happened next. And, okay, that's not that interesting, but it happened and we needed to know it. 
so we all understand why it's there. Right. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, you know, when I was writing fiction, I was like, oh my God, it has to be as good as fiction. Which is <laughs> the hardest, That's you know? so funny. Well, I also really loved what you said. Um, efforts at authenticity is, is kind of the thing you're making with m- memoirs and, and all ghostwriters are. And also why I like memoirs. I, I really like how kind of like what you just said, how messy they are. They include weird details. They don't have perfect stories, but I think um, one thing that's really come through for me in doing this podcast is that these stories um, being so messy and layered and complicated and weird are the best female storytelling, even though they are real people who exist. The best female storytelling I am taking in in my life right now. Like I haven't, I have yet to see a movie or a TV show that is telling women in the way they are the way they are, authentic women. And so these books give me authentic female characters, which is why I like them. Right. It's not real housewives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no, the, the editing process and nobody's feeding them lines and nobody's saying, well, you should really have this happen next. Yeah. It is. It's really true. Mistakes and I are think it's also It's their real yeah. ass life. <laughs> right. And these are people who are in the spotlight for a reason. And so, you know, we're all sort of like, what got you there? How did you get there? And is it as great as it seems? Of course, it's never as great as it seems. Yeah. And I like one of the things in the podcast that you're doing is you're picking up these recurring themes like the the husbands who don't like their wives to be more successful (laughs) and other things like that where I'm like oh yeah okay and also that you always say that every memoir is a self-help book yeah um and I have to tell you that almost every celebrity I meet with says and wants to put in their introduction if I can just help one person with this book how and then you know it'll have been worth it wow why do you think that is I mean, I think they're like, why would I expose myself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> besides for money unless I can actually help somebody? And, you know, it's they've said it to me enough that I'm like, I love that thought, but I'm not going to put it in because everyone yes, says yes, it to me. And I just think we're, we can't <laughs> A hear new it way again. to say it. <laughs> just let them be helped. You know, we don't need to tell them that you want to help them. Yeah. Um, just let people be helped with their help. Wow. But I do think that that kind of exposure is, um, is rare. And the more honest a person is, the better. And, oh, this is another thing I have to say to you that these celebrities, when they sit down for an interview, know that they're going to be edited and soundbited to death. And they're really used to speaking that way. Yeah. So, um, when I sit down with, them, I'm like, you can tell me the whole story, including the parts you don't want to tell. And then we'll figure out later if you're comfortable saying it, but let's have the whole story there so that if you choose to tell it, you know, and and I can help you tell it in a way that you're comfortable with, then you'll be giving people, you know, the actual thing that you can't say in a 10 minute interview on the radio because it's just not going to come out right. They actually have the freedom to, and the control that, actors never have over their story. Right. And it's also, gosh, you're, I have just so many questions for you after everything you say. (laughs) Um, okay. Well, first off, I love finding out that thing about people saying, if I can just help one person, because I really do feel like they're self-help books. And it's so cool to learn that behind the scenes and be like, Oh, maybe that's why, because yeah, why else would you open yourself up? And if you do want a cash grab, a recipe book, a diet book, like those are often better money makers. Like you don't have to tell your whole story, you know? (laughs) Um, 
So then my other question off of what you just said is how, like, there is a meme on Instagram I once read um, by like, I want to say this is an Oscar Wilde quote, but it was a meme on Instagram. Like it could have just been by someone's uncle and they put it up, but I, they always say Oscar Wilde, no matter who it is, is. but it was, it said something like the most important story is the one you don't want to tell. And so when people don't want to tell certain parts of the story that they, for whatever reason, how have you been successful in getting them to do that? And what do you think makes someone ready to tell a story that they're not ready to tell? Well, one of the most important things is trust between the collaborator and the author, Mm -hmm. right? Because if they trust me to tell it with them in their way, then that, like I said, we can try it out. Yeah. Um, and I, so trust, and then this sort of, um, you know, I guess also getting to a point in your life where you're like, fuck yeah, (laughs) I want to tell it. I mean, you know, I think, I think celebrities often get called by magazines, like tabloids where they're like, we're going to release a story about you unless you give us a soundbite. So they're sort of forced into, telling their stories anyway, in some form. So almost everything is out there. You know, they might have some deep secrets, but there's probably some version of it that has a kernel of truth that's in a tabloid, but not really their story. So, you know, sometimes there might be something buried and then that's a question of whether they want to do it. But really it's like a lot of setting the record straight. Interesting. Who doesn't want to set the record straight? Of course. Yeah. Um, And I always feel like the memoirs are always infinitely more interesting than the tabloid story. Like even taking Jessica Simpson's, for example, it's like, oh my God, she's dating John Mayer. Like she's a brunette now, you know, and or she's getting booed out of the baseball games when she's with Tony Romo. And that, that was our gossip. But the real story is like way more interesting than those headlines. You know, it's like gossip magazines wish, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And maybe, I mean, so that's a great example. And maybe, you know, her decision to come out is to say, guys, there was a lot of stuff going on. Like, do you, you don't even understand, you don't even understand yeah. me. And in order to understand me and to understand that I'm much more complex than you think, I I have to dig in, yeah. you know? Yeah. And maybe that's why, cause I also particularly love female memoirs more, way more than male memoirs. Um, I think for two reasons, one is what you just said of like, women are painted as shallow one to two dimensional characters all the time by the press, by TV, by movies. And, and so each one being like, I'm actually more than that. Like that's a journey I always want to go on because every woman has to go on that journey. And then also women tend to get more emotional, authentic, and more detailed. Whereas, cause I have read a bunch of male autobiographies. Um, but I just, I love how much women share. And I think maybe I just relate to their journeys because I am a woman. What right. have you found? Cause you've written a bunch of female memoirs, but also some male memoirs. Have you found a difference in the way they share their stories and want their stories communicated that is uh, based on our stereotypical genders? <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I, cause the, interestingly, the male, the books I've done for men haven't ever been a straight up confessional tell-all memoirs, yeah. right? They've been a little bit different. And I think there's a reason we're getting them more from women. And it is partly that women want to go deeper, yeah. you know, and, and, um, and also I wonder whether part of it is that um, 
men profit more from being closed off. So as a society, if you're a man who doesn't share, that's fine with us. We'll keep hiring you for TV. We'll keep, you know, you can age however you want to age. It's all good. Wow. And women are like, I'm being, beca- like, I need to keep getting jobs. I need to stay in the spotlight. It's harder for um, women actors as Hillary, they get older. you just destroyed me. <laughs> <laughs> you are so uh, right. Okay. It is tied to... Because all feminism theory at its best to me is when you break it down financially. Because it's like we all like girl power, blah, blah, blah. But beneath everything is something economical happening because our society runs on money. And so by being like, yeah, when you bleed out your traumas and share as a woman, you you can be a, a more viable economic success. <laughs> horrible. I mean, but it's, I was, because I was listening to your Kim Cattrall um, podcast this morning, and and one of the things you talked about was how um, people ask the Sex and the City girls about their feud constantly, and where are the male feuds? And you know, maybe men aren't having deep enough relationships to feud, but also we don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we don't care about their feuds. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's a little bit depressing, um, but the flip side of it is that oh, it's women are the readers. You know, women relate to women and we don't care about those boring male stories because they don't make their stories interesting enough by having depth. How about that? That's a little more a positive. I love that. Well, and also, you know, (laughs) I was actually just getting into this in my DMs um, of like, I I love feuds and I focus on them. And but I also think you would I would consider myself a feminist. Hopefully you consider the podcast a, a feminist podcast. And but one thing that annoys me with feminism feminist marketing sometimes is that being a feminist means liking all women and power, power to women and da, 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 da. And it just feels like it erases our complexity. It erases our motivations it, it, and it erases my life. Like I personally have gotten into feuds, like, you know what I mean? And I, <laughs> I just have to confess, I don't have, I haven't had any feuds and I'm starting to Hillary, feel, this is amazing. Tell me no, it's everything. Terrible. I mean, no, it's great. I, I don't have feuds. I I guess, I mean, my inclination, if something weren't, if I didn't like somebody's behavior, you know, you have these very close women's friendships and I do too, but if things aren't going well, I'm sort of like, I guess I'm walking away from this. Like I can't, I, even when I was younger, I feel like there were times when I probably like poked people to, you know, in a way that could have started something, but I, I just, I I guess I just want everyone to like me. and Yo, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, what's funny is that I also want everyone to like me, but I def- I'm not a de-escalator for sure. No one would say that about me. I don't de-escalate anything. <laughs> right. Um, and that's and, probably key. And I think I don't take anything personally. That's, I mean, this is cool, th- but this is what I want. Like when we discuss feuds, I want to know, how do you not have them? So one, don't take things right. personally. Two, de-escalate. <laughs> yeah, but I think also if somebody's, acting crazy. I just wouldn't assume that it had anything to do with anything I did. So I would be uh, like, how do you, how's your therapy? Maybe you should get some help. This is, has nothing to do with me. That, Cause I really want to know where you, where do you get that? You know what I mean? That's a, that's a great thing to have. 
Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains, but you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role, and we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book, it matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Yeah, I, in one job that I had, um, people were like, called me Spock as my nickname. So I think maybe I have like a little bit of a flat, emotional. I don't know. I know I'm just meeting you, but that's not how you come across at all. Fun, fun, but flat. Fun, but flat. flat. (laughs) Sell it as a broad Victoria's Secret. All right, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, more from Hillary. Welcome back. We were just talking about how Hillary has never been in a feud. I like that you haven't had feuds and you're right. Many people haven't and what creates them and what makes them. And I also think um, I'm a performer first. And so that's written into the DNA of, of like, you know, running up at school to see who's on the cast list. There's only one lead, you know, and right. actresses aren't right. known for their emotional stability, um, you know? And so I think um, it's been waters that I've lived in, but mostly I, I just like, as you know, as a writer, good storytelling comes from conflicts, right? Like you have to have a conflict right. to have a great story. I mean, feuds are nothing but conflict and, and, and it stars two women. Right. So maybe it's no accident that I am personally not a feuder because as a ghostwriter, my job isn't to be the drama. It's to help channel someone else's drama. That's so cool. Right. So I... I even, I mean, I, even when I go to meetings, I'm not dressing flashy. I'm, I'm open and I share 
um, personal things because it's a real relationship, but it's not, I'm not the center. Um, and I enjoy that. You know, okay. The two things I like, I think you should now call yourself a drama channeler. Uh, it's not a, you're not a ghostwriter. <laughs> you're a drama channeler. <laughs> I also love it's a reveal relationship because they're revealing to you. So how do you get very close with people? Like when you write the book with them, what what's your relationship so like afterwards? Yeah, it's well, the relationship afterwards is different from the relationship during. It's very close. It's almost therapist patient at times, best friends, um, you know, definitely confidants. Yeah. And then and then there's this transition where, you know, it is an uneven, an unequal relationship. So, you know, they're used to me just hearing them. And to move to, hey, let's go for a hike is a little bit awkward because it's like, now do now do we still just talk about them? <laughs> and which is fine. I mean, it's fine, but it's also, that's not totally a friendship. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the truth is I, I adore my clients and my husband will say, oh, you know, you drink the Kool-Aid of everyone you work with. Because oh, you can say that about I'll me too. Back. I drink the Kool-Aid of every yeah, book I read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You do. Too. That's right. You do. And and I come back from meetings and I'm like, she's amazing. You know, <laughs> yes. you won't believe what she survived, uh, you know, and, and um, I'm, you know, it's partly because I'm, I'm so empathetic to the stories that I'm hearing when somebody's being honest with you, it's hard not to be on their side and be rooting for them. And, um, and so that feeling for me doesn't go away. You know, I still, um, think they're great there and I'd be happy to see any of them at any point, but it's just to transition into who are we is tough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I bet that's, that's so interesting. Yeah. But not hard, not hard. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's upsetting. It's just like, okay. It's just a transition. Oh, you know. Yeah. Here's my Christmas card. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're like, they just meet with you and instantly start telling you other things about their childhood. Um, that's what I'm picturing. Okay. So here's a question. Um, so many questions go through my head every time you talk. <laughs> and I know, I, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> oh my God. It's only good. I just feel so fascinated okay. by this. So I love what you said about when people are honest and open up, because I think while I am only reading celebrity memoirs, I am also kind of having this digital book club where people DM me. And my biggest takeaway from this year is like, just everybody's been through shit and almost all women have some level of trauma, whether it's small or large, but like, it's, it's rare to find someone who's just had it easy peasy, you know, for even the person who you think like, oh, you're so stupid and you've had it easy peasy. Like it just is never the case, which is why I love these books. Cause if you're willing to be honest and open up, open up, you can really root for someone, even someone you thought you didn't like. So what do you do when, and, and maybe it's never happened, but in, when someone's not being very honest with you, or you can tell they're putting this, their facade, they're giving you their facade and want you to write it down. Uh, I'm trying to think where the, if that's happened. You know, generally, once somebody has signed their book contract with their publisher, um, people other than me have convinced them to tell their story. Cool. And then, you know, the relationship, the the way I'm getting it is usually um, this happened, but I don't want to talk about that. An honest version of 
I'm not opening that door. Yeah, yeah. And my response to that, as I sort of suggested before, is, okay, do you want, do you think there's any chance it's going to be in the book or is it a no-go? You know, I'm not, I'm not working for the publisher, so I'm not trying to get the most salacious story. I'm just, if they brought it up with me to said, by the way, I'm not talking about this. I'm like, well, you brought it up for a reason. It's yeah, like yeah, a therapist, yeah, right? Yeah. It seems like maybe you do want to talk about <laughs> that. So, so, you know, I'll say, do you want to try it out? And I mean, I've had clients who tell me a whole thing about a whole person in their life that we then cut later. Wow. And my position has always been, okay, you want to cut it, your book, I'm not going to ruin your life for, you know, I'm not going to pressure you to destroy this relationship. Um, that's publisher can do it if they want to, if they ever see that, that part. But to me, it's like, that's not my job. My job is to help the author do the book they want to do. And they probably want to sell a lot of copies. So sometimes I'll say, you know, I think, Obviously, people would want to hear this, but if you don't want to tell it, you shouldn't tell it. Okay, two questions. Have you ever had to say, you cannot put that in the book? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Well, sometimes I've been like, maybe we shouldn't say it quite like that, okay. right? Like if something's, you know, the same, if something, and we all do this, but if something's coming out wrong and makes them sound really um, selfish, say, say they say something and I'm like, oh, you sound really selfish when you say that. I'll say, you know, this, I'll explain why it sounds selfish. I just picked that as a bad, bad way for something to sound. This is why it sounds selfish, but we could add something that says, I was feeling very selfish in that moment because, and then as soon as you own the selfishness, you can tell it. So I'll sort of help them see how they sound. And then we can either change it to sound differently or acknowledge how it sounds, which you know, diffuses. Yeah. God. So this is also a great transition to when ghostwriters don't do that. So in the Celine Dion book, there were many times she sounded very selfish. And I felt it's one of my favorite reads, but I really felt like you have to read in between the lines to be like, oh, wait a minute. People really groomed her to act and speak like this since she was 12. But now you're allowing a story into the book about how she's never taken the subway before and thinks it's gross, you know, and doesn't <laughs> seem to be aware that other people do take the subway every day and that maybe this won't come off very well. And it's printed in the book. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, it's really interesting because there have to be a ton of ghostwriters out there who don't take the therapeutic approach or the empathetic approach because there's some books where I'm just like appalled of like who let them do this. <laughs> and, and also sometimes I get mad at the ghost. So there's two books that I've been really mad at the ghostwriters, like way more than the celebrities because the, the writing did something to the celebrity. Right. I've heard you talk about that <laughs> and, and I never want to be that ghostwriter. You know, I'm really protective of the author and, you know, in a way I think the publisher is too, but it's possible for example, for Celine Dion, that they were like, she was like, obviously I know how this sounds. And obviously they know I know. So I don't have to dumb it down by explaining that I know how that sounds. Yeah. You know, it's like, I didn't read the book, so I don't have it. I'm going to say, I don't but, think that's the case, but I do like yeah. that take. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, and, and also I think you, yeah, it's that awareness too, from someone to, you know, when you're a big fancy executive to remember maybe, maybe the subway story is going to piss um, Chelsea at the podcaster off in the, in the future. <laughs> you know, that's, that's maybe not something always on your mind either. Um, have you ever said no to working with someone? Oh, uh, I mean, many times, Ooh. all the time. Okay, without without giving anything away, what would be reasons for saying no? Um, well, one reason that you wouldn't expect is, or I guess maybe based on what we've been talking about, you would, is that I don't feel like they really want to tell the story. They just want a book deal. They have a book deal and they're just kind of phoning it in. Um, often I'm saying no just because of timing, you know, because I have other work. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever said no to somebody huge though. And I don't think I really have, you know, if it's somebody that you want to read about, I probably want to write about. sit down in a room with them and hear about them and write about That's them. That's cool. Um, um, okay. Yeah. Who would be your dream memoir to collaborate on for someone who has not written a book yet and might, and maybe they'll hear this podcast and you will write it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I have a list. There's a few people who say they're working on memoirs who've been saying that for a long time. Cher, Anita and Baker. Like Cher, <laughs> um, Barbara Streisand. Yes. Uh, maybe Stevie Nicks. Where's yes, Stevie, Stevie Nicks? Book? Supposedly one was published and then ripped from the presses and like reviews exist on Amazon about it, but the book doesn't exist. Yeah. And I want okay, that book. So- I'm right here. Here I'm right Stevie, here. Stevie, call right Hillary. <laughs> we need the book. Um, I think also um, Mia Farrow has a beautiful book, which you might want to read or have read. Yes. Um, and, I'm going to read it. It's just I have been arguing with men in writers' rooms about Woody Allen my whole life, and I have to be ready to take that on. And right now I'm enjoying my break. <laughs> so I don't think Mia Farrow necessarily needs any help, but... That book ends right in the middle of the Woody Allen stuff. And so it needs an update. It's such a beautiful book. It's she's, and you know, it seems clear that like Carly Simon, she was, you know, her hand is very much in it. She probably, she may have written it all by herself or with the help of an editor. Um, But I wanted her to finish because it, it ends kind of, I'm sure I can't remember exactly, but I think it has a neat bow on the end, but she's definitely so mad about Woody and it's yeah. like, I don't know when it was published, but I'm sure she's moved on and a lot of things have happened. And well, I mean, given the docu-series that, that just came out, I bet she would want to go back and finish it because she is yeah. talking so much about it right now. Ooh, that'd be great. Okay. I want you to, I want you so to do that good. one. Do you, th- did yeah. I say Angelina? Did I say Angelina? You didn't, but I, God, I would love that book. She's like, a, she seems like a lockbox, and I want her to, open the door. I want her to go back to yes. who she was as a teen who would definitely give you all the shit. Yeah. There's a lot. Yes. So, and, and I mean, the other thing is that she has a mission, you know, she obviously leads this life where she's trying to raise awareness and, and help people. And those people should write books to promote their message. You know, I agree, except Ashley Judd's memoir begins, if I'm remembering right, with like four chapters on charity work. And yeah. And that's just not helping sell it. Is that's just not a good market? You need to dabble yeah. it throughout the book. <laughs> that's right. That's not how it's done. <laughs> but but I also love her book still. So clearly, clearly I got through it. Um, I really want Sandra Bullock to write a memoir too. So I'm gonna put oh, that yeah. name out 
and hope she calls you. Um, yes, that would be amazing. Okay. So I'm about to read Mackenzie Phillips book, which you collaborated on called high on arrival. Um, so the guest for that episode is Tammy Sager. She's a television writer and a second city alum like me. And she is a good friend of mine. And when this podcast was launching, she said, I'm doing high on arrival. Do not look up a thing about the book. Don't just like, just try and stay away from it. Unfortunately, in some of my DMs, I have gotten, uh, some crazy, like, Ooh, it's going to be a crazy book. I can't wait to read it. Do you have any advice for me and the podcast going into this book, um, and taking in the story? I don't talk about any of my books individually. I love that. I only speak generally. Give us a general, a general going into all memoirs, how you should approach them. I mean, I, I think Tammy was right. It's nice to not know anything going into it if you can avoid it. Um, but the only thing I would say specifically about that book is that I, that's a book that I think could stay on shelves for a long time. And her father also has an incredible memoir. You want a male memoir, there's a lot of drugs in it. But Papa John is an, is also oh worth a read. Oh my goodness. Maybe we're going to have to bring in a, a Papa John consultant. Uh, not to be confused with Papa John's, but I would like him to read the book. That would be a good duo. Okay. But, but um, I think, I don't know. I don't really, I mean, I don't think there's anything except that it's very intense and probably it should have some trigger warnings. Yes. Um, yes, I, I did pick that up from my DMs. <laughs> um, yes, and, but, um, and I know also about that book that um, she learned from the publication of it um, and sort of, and I think she wrote a foreword um, or a, explaining some of what she'd learned from publishing the book. Oh my um, God, oh, which I, I, I have to make sure I have that edition. Yeah, it might be worth seeing if you have that edition. And if you don't, that would be something worth sharing with your listeners what she learned from it. Okay, this is almost perfectly written, Hillary, as we come to the end of this. But first off, my um, the intense books are my favorite. They're not everyone's favorite. But personally, if I'm going to read a memoir, I want the blood and guts because that's also th things that I relate to in my life. So I'm very, look very much looking forward to this book. And ending on her with the foreword, um, would you, do you think people's lives have been changed simply by the act of sharing? Like once someone opens up and shares their book, have you seen a difference in who they are? Hmm. I mean, I would like the answer to that. I would like the answer to that to be yes. Um, because you have to imagine that lightening your load in that way when you're a public figure who has kept things private. Um, I'd like to imagine that sharing that, sharing your truth, even though I don't love that, those words, but sharing your truth um, has got to be liberating in some way. And um, I don't know if I could look at all my clients across the board and say, yep, they all, they all felt great afterwards. So having, having a book come out is a fun experience generally, even if it's intense. And I think they get a lot of positive feedback and almost every celebrity who writes a book gets hundreds of letters from people saying, Oh my God, you helped me so much. Oh and that God. is what, that's why they that write the book. Changes them. Yeah. <laughs> that is, they may not know that's coming, but that is what 
changes them and and makes it worth it and makes them feel like they had the what they did had real value and it did have real value. Oh, and it, I mean, it, they have real value in my life too. They 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 some of these books raised me. So thank you for your work and thank you for writing those these books and thank you for sharing with us. I like cannot believe we got to speak with you. Um, oh, I'm so glad to be. Where here. can people find you, follow you, support your work, buy your books, all of it? I mean, I'm not a huge self-promoter because, you know, I'm, I'm a ghostwriter, but you're uh, a drama channeler I, and everyone should buy your <laughs> books today. <laughs> um, the book that I myself wrote is movie star by Lizzie Pepper, which is a fake celebrity memoir and is basically, I was like, okay, if I could write anyone's memoir, who would they be and what would their life be? Oh my God. And so movie star by Lizzie Pepper is a fake ghost written memoir. Oh, I cannot wait to read that book. You just hooked me. <laughs> and so, and if you read it, you'll see what inspired it. And I think you'll find that it reads a lot like the books that you're reading. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. I don't usually pitch my book to anyone, but I feel like you're, you're actually going to like it. If you can't <laughs> pitch your book on the book club podcast, where can you pitch your book? <laughs> Good point. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for doing this whole podcast. I love it. Oh my God, thank you. I'm a fan. I'm also a fan. Yay! No (laughs) feud here. No feud. That's all for this week's episode. I want to thank Hillary so much for coming on. She is so phenomenal and talented. And also, I just want to emphasize again, High on Arrival by Mackenzie Phillips and Hillary Lifton is so well-written. It's truly incredible. So um, if, you're in, if, if you can handle something dark, pick up that book. We covered it on the podcast. Hillary is just incredible. I could talk to her for hours. And I, Hillary, I might have to beg you to come back. As always, you can find everything Celebrity Book Club on my Instagram at Chelsea Devantes, where I post the visual stories and the recaps of the books I'm currently reading. And we have several incredible episodes coming your way very shortly. You can also join the Facebook group, Celebrity Book Club Podcast on Facebook. That's where you can start your own conversations. People post articles, funny tidbits, and, you know, just dive deeper into it all. I want to thank everyone here at Stitcher, our executive producer, Daisy Rosario, producer Brandon Nix, and associate producer Corinne Wallace for making this whole thing possible. And if you want to hear ad-free episodes of Celebrity Book Club, you can only do that with Stitcher Premium. So go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code BOOKS to get a month for free. As always, when you leave us nice reviews, it helps the podcast and it also helps my self-esteem. Um, so please feel free to leave us a nice review if you're feeling like it. And I will see you guys next week.